It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends. This is Andy. Welcome to episode 596 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Joining me on the show today is John Janch. John is the founder and CEO of Duct Tape Marketing. He's also the author of that classic book by the same name, Duct Tape Marketing. And in today's episode, we have a great discussion about why you need to think like a marketer in order to build your sales brand. Now, as I've written and talked about many times, you, the seller, you're increasingly the primary point of differentiation from your competitors in the minds of your buyers. So in today's show, John and I talk about how to become your own talking logo, if you will, in terms of, you know, we'll get into what that means. And we'll talk about why salespeople, among other things, probably need to have their own website to help with their branding. And by website, meaning something that isn't a LinkedIn profile. And much, much more about how to position yourself as the authority, as the expert in the minds of your buyers. So if you'd like to see summary notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 596. Now, friends, we, we all had a sales slowdown from time to time. I've been talking about this for a couple months now. And you know, when we do, oftentimes we default to the notion that you know, we need to have more structure and more process. And you know, sometimes we need to try new ideas to break out of the doldrums and sell up to our potential. So if you're looking for some new ideas on how to amp up and accelerate your sales, then you need to grab this report that I've put together just for you. It's based on the specific recommendations of more than 300 leading entrepreneurs, sales leaders, business leaders that I've had on the show that I've personally interviewed on this program. And I've compiled their practical tactics and strategies into a step-by-step guide that you can use to accelerate your sales today. So don't wait. You can get your copy. Go to andypaul.com forward slash accelerate sales. That's andypaul.com forward slash accelerate sales to get your free copy of my report today. And finally, before we get to the interview, as always, I want to remind you that we want to hear your questions about sales, sales management. So you can send your questions to me at andy at andypaul.com and we'll choose from among the questions that are submitted and, and answer those on my Friday episode with my friend and co-host Bridget Gleason. And the person who submits the winning question, the one that we choose to answer, they get a free half-hour coaching call with me. That's a $250 value. So don't delay. Do it today. I've done several of those coaching calls already, and uh, people found benefit from them. So submit your question. All right, let's get back to the interview now. So I'm excited to talk with John Janch. John, welcome to Accelerate. Happy to be here. So glad to have you here, and you're said so you're joining us from Kansas City this morning. So hopefully it's uh, you said almost a nice fall day there. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'd love to. I miss. I grew up in the Midwest. I miss the miss the fall. Um, seasons. I think I would. I, I love San Diego, but I'm not sure. I think I'd go crazy after a while. <laughs> well, I, I, this, I mean, seventy and sunny there every single day. How do you do that? Yeah. Well, I, I tell this story about once when I was. Because I split my time between New York and San Diego, and but mostly have been from San Diego. And um, I don't know, it's about ten years ago. I was at at a club where I had just done a swimming workout, and it was Saturday morning, so we we're getting through, and the sun was out, so a bunch of people were coming to sit around the pool and have their day. And these two women talking, very thick New York accents, and one said to the other. I just hate it here. <laughs> and she's another one turned to her and surprised said, What are you talking about? She goes, It's the same damn thing after day after day, 70 degrees and sunny. <laughs> sure. I was like, Okay. Well, I we think- have 
we have four weeks a year of San Diego weather, but it took a couple in the spring and a couple in the fall and uh, on our way, you know, down into the depths of winter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's something nice about that. So, all right. So I hope in the show, typically the standard question for all my guests, and, and this question is, you know, in your opinion, and you see things with you know, all the hundreds and thousands of companies that you work with in your business, what, what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today? Well, I think that, you know, for all the bluster about all the changes in marketing, I think the biggest change in marketing is the way people buy. And one of the things that has has almost gone away is the need for a salesperson to show up and provide information or updates. Um, today, salespeople have to show up and if they're going to be invited, because, I mean, we can find information and, and updates mm-hmm everywhere. So if I'm going to be invited in as a salesperson, I need to find a way to add value or, or to provide insights or to find a way to help me better understand my business or my business challenges as they relate to a product or service or something that you're selling. And so I think that that takes in, in some, well, it doesn't take a higher um, intelligence necessarily. It does take a higher quotient of caring i think i think in order Emo- to emotional intelligence maybe. yeah well or, or just you have to care about your customers i right. think more and and you know at, at, at we all have these images of you know the salesperson that nobody could stand but dang it we needed them because they gave us you know this year's pricing um and you know now that uh, you know that that's not part of the equation anymore and so you know the people that are providing value that are constantly optimizing the relationships they have, you know, are doing it because they want to see people succeed and not just themselves. Mm-hmm. That's a great answer. I mean, one, one thing I've liked about your work over the years, and I've followed you for a long time is, and maybe this just appeals to me, as I said, cause I'm a fellow Midwesterner, but, but you know, when I compare you to people selling similar services or on the surface or similar services, digital marketers and marketing support, <laughs> Um, yeah, you're awfully low key and, <laughs> and not much hype. You're not 10 X this or 30 X that, or let's hack this or hack that. I mean, how do you survive not doing that? <laughs> well, you play the long game, I suppose is, is the, is the real answer to that. And I really, you know, I pretty much just, I don't know the best way to say this because I'm, you know, I'm just being me. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying stuff that I'm doing in my own business and what works I share and what doesn't work. I keep a secret. Um, but, <laughs> but, and I don't, you know, I don't, I, I, so I appreciate, cause I think you meant that as a compliment. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know you did. Um, and I, you know, so I don't, it's sometimes hard to answer because I, this just seems kind of normal to me. And, and I think what happens is you, you develop relationships. I mean, I have people that have, purchased a lot from me that, you know, in 2017, that uh, first started following me in 2008, maybe or something. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's, you know, that's the mentality that, you know, I'm, I'm here, I feel like I'm here to serve. Uh, I love what I'm doing. And so it's not hard for me to, uh, to, you know, to dig in and figure out what works and doesn't work or to enjoy the process of doing that. And then I just share it. And that's always been my mentality. So if that, if that, you know, allows people to stay loyal and, you know, feel like I'm, you know, trustworthy, I mean, I, I, I shouldn't put this out on the air, but, you know, I, you know, I sometimes challenge people to try to find a negative review on duct tape marketing and it, and it's, I don't think they exist. Um, and, and it's not because there isn't anything that, 
you know, that, that people don't get, uh, I'm just really never, ever, uh, not taking care of people. I mean, if somebody, here's another thing I shouldn't promote, but if somebody comes back to me and says, <laughs> well, we've, we've, we've got the challenge. The first challenge is find a negative review. <laughs> and then I've had people that bought a product for me like three years ago and they said, I just doesn't work. I was like, well, bought it three years ago. You didn't open it. You didn't use it. You didn't do anything and it doesn't work. Okay, fine. Here's a refund. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, you know, I just, life's too short. Yeah. Well, I mean, I so I recently interviewed a, a gentleman who's, uh, you know, owns a marketing agency. Uh, I don't know if you know him, a guy named Bill Troy. And he's he's written a book that's going to be published early in 2018 called Clicksand. <laughs> and I was just talking about sort of the the snake oil salespeople involved with the, so much of the digital and online marketing these days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but this seems to be a th- I mean, I've heard this is about the third time I've heard this, like in a week where people are saying these people these days are are, you know, selling snake oil. I mean, they always have. I mean, it's it's been around forever. I mean, I used to get direct mail letters, you know, from <laughs> right. you know, snake oil. This is not a new thing. It's just a new generation <laughs> of people doing new things. Well, yeah, sorry. so it's yeah, sorry. but 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 it's right. I mean, he's he's uh by sort of his point was, and it sort of speaks to I think some of the reason I think that maybe you appeal to such a large number of people is that so that people are adopting, business owners are adopting these methodologies, but they're not congruent with how they act personally or, you know, the way yeah. that they, they want to do business personally. Yet they're being sort of this fear of missing out that if I don't act this way, if I don't put together this email sequence and so on and have these, you know, keywords, it's just, it's not going to work. And they're sort of freaking out. And Yeah, and there's so much of... of- you know, when the online stuff came and like the first people to get on Twitter, or the first bloggers kind of got that, you know, people sensed that, oh, wow, a lot of those people weren't any smarter than me. But, you know, now that here they are, they're like big names in the space. And so I think it's kind of led to this, like every new thing, people want to be the early adopters and the, you know, the big name in the space. And, you know, I think that and I'm not the first person to say this, but, um, you know, I think this infatuation with the technology and with the platforms and the tools is where people really go wrong. Um, you know, what what I've always said is marketing is a system. <laughs> and if you, you know, work the system in a way that adds value to your clients, it doesn't really matter. I mean, all the like things are going to change over time. What you know, Facebook didn't exist, but if you work Facebook into an integrated part of your online strategy and you use it as a way to add value to your clients, it, you know, it will or will not work for you. And so, you know, I think the idea that, that this new thing is going to revolutionize, you know, what people care about is, you know, kind of silly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I sort of reached the point where it's like, Okay, if I read one more article about you know how to hack your growth or something like that, I you know feel yeah, like yeah. I have to tear yeah. tear my eyes out. Um, so, what's so great about those articles is you read them, you go, well, that's just good marketing. You know, that's there's no hacking involved in that. No, you, know, you, you did something people liked, and uh, and they you know they responded. Yeah, I mean to me, that like a hack is something you do once, right? I mean, it's like the shortcut. Whereas, yeah. as you said, it's it's a system. <laughs> you know, you're you're growing. Your marketing is a system that you have to do consistently. Yeah, for a Not, long time. For a long yeah, time, not just a one off. Work really hard for a long time. That is the secret to success. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So. <laughs> We're in it for the long haul. <laughs> that's right. Well, so. I really enjoyed your book, Duct Tape Selling, which counterpart people know John for duct tape marketing, but he, he wrote a very good book called Duct Tape Duct Tape Selling. I can't say that 10 times in a row real fast. Uh, <laughs> subtitle, Think Like a Marketer, Sell Like a Superstar. 
And I love the fact that you let off the book basically talking about listening. Yeah. And um and the word you use is listen perceptively. So tell people what perceptive listening is. Well, I mean I mean the the premise really of the whole book is that, you know, as buying has changed, I I do think that uh, I do think two things, you know, I've always said that, I'm, I'm, trust me, I'm going to get to answering your question, but oh, no, um, <laughs> take time. Go ahead. the, uh, I always said that, you know, marketing owned the message and sales owned the relationship. And I think those two distinct things, you know, were always existed. And then mm-hmm. I think what happened is the way buying has changed is those two things have come a lot closer to each other. And that, that marketing has to think more like a sales <laughs> relationship building, um, individual and sales, I think, has to think uh, a little bit more like marketing, where um, you know that building their own brand and their own authority and their own expertise as ways to add value. Um, and so that's that was kind of the premise of the book is that I think that that sales has moved closer to what good marketing really should look like. Um, and so the idea of perceptive listening is that, and this is this is not. This is not new. I mean, I, you could have you. This could have shown up in a Zig Ziglar book, you know, forty years ago. Frankly, uh, that that you know, the best salespeople uh, and I think the best you know relationship builders, uh, instead of showing up and saying, "Well, you know, here's what you know, here's what we have, here's what we do, here's what you need," um, are always the ones that that really let the client kind of lead the conversation. And lead them, you know, into the right path. I mean, uh, my dad was a salesperson, uh, you know, bag carrying, you know, uh, mm-hmm. around the square you know, right, kind right. of uh, salesperson. And he would always say, I remember him always saying is people will tell you how to sell to them if you'll just shut up, you know. And and I think that that's uh, uh, that's always kind of dawned on me is is that's a hard skill, particularly, you know, salesperson in a sort of high leverage situation is like, oh, what do I need to say now? Um, and probably the answer is, what do I need to listen to? <laughs> well, and this is this is more of an issue that we're seeing more and more these days, especially with inside sales teams that you got you know your sales development reps that have their their call scripts, yeah. and you know, come hell or high water, we're going to ask these questions. Yeah, and what happens is they don't listen to the response because. Yeah, the response doesn't matter because I got asked this next question. Boy, that is so funny. Sometimes when you do that, you're, you're almost you're on the other end of the phone going, "Did uh, did you not hear a thing I said?" Because <laughs> I'm not sure why you're asking me that. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I listen to recorded calls for reps and making, and it's and it's the same thing as you know, customers can open the door to a follow-on question that's not the next one on their script, but too often. They default to the one on their script. And and part of that is because, yeah, they've got this sort of yeah. raging case of confirmation bias happening where, you know, they're going to shape every answer to fit what they need to hear. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's not just salespeople. I mean, I know that, uh, I mean, ultimately, most business owners are salespeople. And, you know, a lot of times we're sitting across the desk trying to, you know, get a consulting gig. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't ourselves as a salesperson, but that's absolutely what we are, you know, at that moment. And I can't tell you how many times I have sold, you know, I assume the client wanted more sales. Actually, what they wanted was to get their life back and right. to have more control over their marketing. And so my uh, approach to getting them more sales, you know, kind of fell on deaf ears. And, you know, if I did, if, if I had just stopped and said, what would make this a win for you and shut up, you know, they would, they would have told me exactly what to put in the proposal. Yeah, I think one of the things that that I when I was reading 
you know, section of your book about listen perceptively is I was thinking about this idea that I work with salespeople on what I call listen without filters. And yeah. and in this increasingly scripted world is, you know, just to the point we had talked about before is is you know, we don't we don't listen to what people are telling us how what how they want us to sell them, what they want us to sell them. Because we have these built in biases based on who they are. You know, the bias or a filter, you know, not a you know necessarily negative bias. But yeah, you know, it's really hard for, for people to overcome that. It's just inherent in what we do. And being able to get yourself to that place where you you are being perceptive, you are removing the filters, is it's a deliberate act and you have to be very deliberate with it. Well, and, and and some people, I think, I don't know if it comes naturally or if they've just learned the benefit of doing it, because once you start doing it, it really opens up a whole new world. I mean, I, I just even in, again, taking away the the selling environment, because, you know, everybody can relate to this. I mean, you've all, we've all met people that, that we meet them and, and they're really interested in us and they ask us a lot of questions about ourselves and, you know, 20 minutes goes by and they haven't said much and we've done all the talking and we leave and we go, I really like that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And, and I think that there are people that just end up getting kind of wired that way. And, and we genuinely like them, you know, because they seem to care about what we actually <laughs> wanted to do or we're, we're talking about, you know, whether they did or not, I don't know, but well, uh, yeah. it's a good <laughs> right. Well, actually, and the thing that sort of goes along with that is is we also think not only do we like them, we think they like us. Yeah. yeah. And and as uh, Cialdini talked about in his most recent book, is yeah, we know about the no like trust equation, but it's actually he says a second like in there is that studies have shown that we're more likely to buy from people we think like us. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll add that to my hourglass. I'll have two likes in there. Yeah, two likes. Yeah, and your your sales yeah. hourglass. Yeah. Yeah. I sort of. I reorder that when I present it. I say, you know, trust no like like, and it's but it's yeah. <laughs> I actually give people an exercise to do sort of what you just talked about. People are having a hard time sort of learning how to how to questions to go someplace and just see how long you can ask questions and be interested in somebody else before you talk about yourself. Yeah, but it is uh, it, it's a easy habit to uh, to get into. You know the. Just you know, showing up and, and talking. Yeah, yeah, show up and throw up. So, another part of the book I really like this is this idea of the becoming the talking talking logo. It's part of your personal branding section. Yeah, you're talking about creating your own personal sales affirmation. So, talk about that a little bit because I, I thought that was really interesting. Well, the the whole talking logo idea is something that I've you know worked with 15, 20 years, and you know, like all good consultants, I had to kind of give a concept a name. Um, so thus the talking logo. But the the idea behind it was a way for you to answer the question, "What do you do for a living?" and and you answer that question in a way that is of interest to me, not a title, you know, or mm-hmm. a job or a feature of some sort or a product that you sell, which is what a lot of people do. And and what you know, a lot of salespeople end up figuring out is that, you know, people don't really, to some, to some degree, don't really care about your product or your service or what it does even. <laughs> um, they care about getting their problem solved. And so if, if you can make a connection between the, the problem that they have um, and, and make a promise to solve that as part of your kind of what do you do for a living, uh, it can be pretty magical. So, um, and it's, it's typically, it's typically a statement you might use in a networking event, but it's really more about kind of your, 
you know, your action, you know, value oriented uh, thing that you that you bring. Now, you know, for my business, um, I developed, you know, my talking logo and somebody would say, what do you do for a living? And and I would say I install marketing systems. Now, the that's probably not the greatest, like most impactful, emotional example, but it caused enough of an interrupt (laughs) that Mm -hmm. it sort of forced people to say, really? Tell me about that. So instead of saying I'm a marketing consultant and they're like, oh, yeah, I got four of those, you know, over there on the other side of the room waiting to talk to me. Um, I install marketing systems kind of made them, you, you know, it wasn't as value oriented as, you know, as some statements can be. Uh, but it caused enough of an interrupt and caused uh, enough interest for people to say, tell me about that. And that's really, you know, one of the keys. So if, you know, if, if I, I've got a, a business that we work with. That is, uh, he does SEO mm-hmm. and SEO is a really for a lot of people is, is a black art and it's very confusing and nobody knows, you know, what, what people do. And so, you know, he used to talk about, you know, all the things that he did and optimized and algorithms and, you know, people would just go great. <laughs> okay. See you later. Um, and so now, uh, when, and is this, this is going to sound goofy to a lot of people, but it changed his entire business. <laughs> now when somebody said, what do you do for a living? He says, I make the phone ring. Oh, um, I like it. I like it. <laughs> And they're like, okay, I want the phone to ring. Tell me more about that. Um, and you know, basically, we turn, we kind of boiled it down to all you need to know about SEO is I make the phone ring. Um, and so, you know, that that goofy, as goofy as that sounds, you know, that uh, changed his business. I love that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my my rule of thumb is let's try to get it into five words if you can. So, <laughs> but the thing with the sales affirmation, the reason I like the term affirmation attached to what you wrote about is that. Yeah, I think for people listening to the show is if you've got your your affirmation down, if you've got that down is is yeah, it may be something you use in a network meeting, but you also wake up in the morning, you're looking in the mirror. Just like any other affirmation you may be saying, if you have, you know, you may have some faith-based ones or self-improvement ones, throw this one in there because this is eliminating the ambiguity in your life about what it is you're supposed to be accomplishing every day. That's right. Absolutely. And then you know, okay, then what do I need to do today to make, you know, if my, you gave one in the book is, you know, I challenge business owners to think bigger or I install marketing systems. Well, then what do I need to do today to make that happen? Yep. And just start your day with that. And that's, that can be a pretty powerful, powerful tool. Well, and it can then also be a filter too, because there's a whole lot of stuff you could do today that's not going to be of much value to that affirmation. (laughs) So you can kind of say, Hey, is this going to, you know, is this going to take me closer to my goals or not? Well, one, yeah, absolutely. One thing that that you also talk about in the book that that you know, there's some degree of controversy around in, in sales is you're talking about creating your own platform, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm a big believer of this. But I mean, I know there's there's been pushback when I talk about it in some cases, and you're talking about even to the extent of not just becoming an authority, but hey, as a individual salesperson, you may want to have your own personal website. Yep. Yeah, I, you know, uh, when this book first came out, uh, I did a lot of speaking uh, to sales organizations. And boy, I can't tell you, you know, it was one or the other. I'd have five people come up to me at the end and go, thank God you're saying that. Look, I've been doing this on the side and blah, 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 you know, and I think it's working, but I'm not sure. And then I'd have five people come up and say, my company would shoot me if I did that. Yeah. You know, they'd shoot me immediately if I did that. You know, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. So it didn't seem to be much in between. And I, and I think that um, what I discovered uh, is that there is a lot of resistance culturally 
in organizations, you know, for people kind of stepping outside and some of it's real, you know, it's like, sure. wait, wait, you're representing the brand. Um, you know, our lawyers better see what you're writing, you know? I mean, so some of, some of that may be real, but some of it's also, I think inherent with sort of hierarchical, you know, organizations that, that, you know, you report to the sales manager, the sales manager reports to X and, and, you know, that's where you get your marching orders. And so somebody who steps outside of that is kind of uh, thwarting the structure. I, I think a lot of, well, I mean, if, despite the fact they all have LinkedIn profiles that 90 per <laughs> 90% of them say they're looking for work, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, good point. <laughs> um, but I think that, uh, I, I think that, you know, the real, the real fear with a lot of organizations is that, you know, that person is, and I'm, you know, to, to, whether it's on LinkedIn or they're creating their own blog or they're speaking at a industry conference that, that, that you know, that's just taking them one step closer to getting hired by the competitor. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably, that, ultimately that's the fear I think people have in not wanting people to do it, whether it's, you know, whether they could control that or not. I think that's the underlying fear. Yeah, I mean, in the in the age of LinkedIn, as I said, LinkedIn profiles, which is basically a personal website. Yeah, yeah, very, very much. Yeah, I mean, people are going to find you one way or another. I think the the value of having your own website is is you know perhaps a little bit more of you as a person shows through. Which you know, your customers are going to they're going to search you, right? It's not just on LinkedIn; they're going to search you in general. You know, you call on somebody and they want to set up a meeting, and they're going to find out more about you online. Give them an opportunity to learn more about you. That's something that sets you apart. Well, and I, you know, the, some of my urging people to do this is because they're not getting these assets that they need, you know, from marketing or from the company. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, in some ways, you know, that's what I was suggesting people do as well, because if you're going to be seen as a valuable asset to your uh, clients or prospects, you know, you better have research or you better have graphics or you better have, you know, studies that you can share with them. And if you're not getting them uh, internally, uh, you know, I think most good salespeople have done that. They've gone out and found what they needed, you know, in order to, uh, to add value. And if the company can't provide it, then, you know, they, they're, they're going to make more sales if they go out and, and do that work on their own. So uh, you work with a, a broad range of, and this is sort of a little digression, but I mean, you work with a broad range of companies and salespeople and different products and services and so on. Others, and you've written this book, which, which I said is a very excellent book is it, but one challenge that we keep coming back to in sales, and and uh, there's a report from a company, CSO Insights, if you're familiar with them, they do a large report every year surveying sales leaders and so on about certain things. And what there's been is year after year, there's been a continual decline year over year of the percentage of sales reps that make quota. Hmm. And down to, I think this year, the latest report was barely above 50%, so 51 something or 52 any thoughts as to why that is? I mean, you look at it from both sides, marketing and sales, you work with a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, what, why do you think that is? Boy, there's so, can I say, I don't know. Sure. You, you know, I mean, I'm getting, I, I'm halfway kidding, but I'm halfway not kidding. I mean, because anything I say right now is totally a guess. Uh, but I think, I think it's a combination of a few things. I think the, the way people buy has changed dramatically. And so the salesperson's impact, you know, or mm -hmm. role in the way people buy has probably changed. Um, 
you know, there was a point where we needed salespeople. And now, you know, there's a percentage of salespeople that are seen as, a, as you know, really a hindrance, uh, you know, or a nuisance even. Sure. And so, so I think that people's uh, people's choice, you know, to, uh, I mean, there are a lot of products today that we can acquire without talking to anyone. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the user interface on the, on the, on the website allows us to purchase products, uh, with, without, you know, having a conversation with anyone. So I think that that, you know, there are some people that actually enjoy that, that, you know, form of purchasing, uh, you know, more so than, you know, having a traditional sales conversation. So I think there's a, I think it's both cultural and, and really kind of the way people buy, uh, has changed, but I wonder also, you know, if that kind of survey is able to factor in that a lot of organizations have changed the way in which they sell. Um, and I wonder what kind of impact that has on a survey like that. Um, I, I would suggest that there are probably a lot of organizations going away from quotas in the typical fashion and that a lot of sales are now being done by teams and and by you know groups inside the company and i i've got to believe that that is hard to factor into a survey like that well i think it is but it, it absolutely is and i've i've been actually I've been pinging with guests on the show and, and also outside outside the show is just that just that topic is you know if we have so few reps that are making quotas, quotas still a relevant measure, right? Especially if the way we sell has changed. Yeah. But it's funny, I was, I was talking to somebody last week as, uh, who works with a company, they sell a, an app that helps companies sort of rationalize their incentive compensation systems and so on. And he was saying, based on his customer's experience, that, yeah, that even in team environments, salespeople are still being paid commissions, which I find find odd depending on the product. But yeah, a whole separate conversation on that. Well, in, in writing this book, certainly that was a topic that came up with a lot of sales and marketing folks, um, because I wanted to get inside of a couple of companies that were doing this uh, well. And, and one of the things I discovered, and of course, I think people that that work with big, large sales organizations all the time have known this forever. But um, I, there, there, there is a real the, the way in which those two groups, marketing and sales, are compensated is so misaligned mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that it uh, it is probably the source of a great deal of uh, you know not uh, not being together you know when it comes to uh, objectives. I mean, they have different objectives. They're compensated completely differently, and in many cases, uh, almost guaranteed to have some conflict. Yeah. All right. Well, one last question for you because I, I we're almost out of time. But it, again, something at the in your book that I really liked is is you have this idea of what you call finish the sale that that. The sale is not complete until the customer gets a result. And I think a great perspective for salespeople to have because, uh, yeah, they're looking, we just talked about, you know, commission and checks. They're looking to their check more than, hey, is the customer getting the value out of this that we promised they were going to get? Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, it kind of goes back to, and I think a lot of salespeople think that the customer gave us a verbal yes, right? And, and you know, a lot of salespeople joke and say, you know, don't cash that, right? I mean, that, you know, <laughs> right. until the contract signed. And I, and, and I would go a step further and, you know, in, in a small business and say, you know, it's not a deal until, you know, they pay us um, because that, you know, that was a sign that everything worked. Um, and, and I think that um, it kind of goes back to the, 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 uh, question you asked me to begin the show that I think the sales folks that that are in it for the long haul that realize you know compound interest is mm-hmm. you know year over year going to benefit them are the ones that uh, that that 
don't just sell. I mean, even if, you know, even if some division in their organization now takes over as soon as a contract is signed, the ones that I think that really get it are the ones that that go back to that client and make sure that everything happened, that maybe advocate, you know, for them when things aren't happening, uh, because, you know, they're going to get called the next time and they're going to get referred, you know, and, and I know that, you know, some, in some companies, those are the ones that cause some controversy because they're after the customer service reps and the engineers, you know, mm-hmm, to do it mm-hmm. when they have to be. Um, but, but those are the ones that I think are probably getting the referrals and, and are, you know, keeping those clients, uh, for life. Yeah. I think that salespeople need to be, have some idea in their, in their account planning of what the possible lifetime value of that account is. Okay. And if you don't get that first result, then your, your lifetime value is pretty small. <laughs> you have a short life, yep. but to your point, yep. yeah, build the relationship, produce value for them. Then you get the follow on orders. All right. Well, John, we've run out of time, but thank you very much for joining me. That's my pleasure. So tell folks how they can connect with you and learn more about duct tape marketing. Sure. So everything we've talked about today, you can find all my books and the podcast and uh, blog forever <laughs> um, is at ducttapemarketing.com. And that's D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E marketing.com. Excellent. All right, again, John, thanks for joining me again today. Friends, thank you for spending this time with us. Make sure you come back, join us for the next great episode of Accelerate. Until then, if you get a chance, go to iTunes, wherever you listen to this podcast, subscribe, leave us a review. We'd really appreciate getting some feedback about what we could do to make this a better experience for you. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>